I pledge myself to your teachings. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Chris, we have a complete 180. For this upcoming bracket coming off a topic that i'm extremely knowledgeable about in the best disneyland attraction and now we're going to something that i am a complete birdie bird brain about uh yeah we're doing a little force flex this week uh we're going best star wars battle uh star wars always a super tricky subject for us uh it's definitely a love hate thing for me um <laughs> Sometimes it's love and hate. Uh, so to help us out, we had to have the king of Star Wars prequels memes on my Facebook feed. It's Andre. What's up, Andre? What's good, oh, guys? What's good? What's is good? It, is, is, it, is it Kylo Ren? Yeah. Yeah. Had, had to bring out the Kylo Ren. Had to bring out the Kylo Ren for you guys today. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, and 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 we got a we got a little a Grogu we got a little Grogu action yes, over there too. Yes, yes, got got the whole. I actually just put uh, this this Lego's uh, stormtrooper helmet together last night, so I had to get it in time, ready in time for the show. <laughs> so okay, so talk to us a little bit about like your Star Wars fandom because, uh, like I said, every time I I don't I don't know if you post them so much anymore, but there was a point during the pandemic where like literally every time I log into <laughs> Facebook, there was like a. Andre Berg commented on a Star Wars prequels meme. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the those memes um, are you know mostly from me and uh, one of my friends from back home. Uh, both of us. I mean, we've known each other since we were like seven, eight years old, and uh, he's the one who really got me into Star Wars. So uh, I remember literally like sleepovers, uh, you know, in like seventh, eighth grade when Star Wars Battlefront was at its prime, uh, back on oh, PS2 so and Xbox and. We, oh yeah. We would just get some four player Jedi action going on the uh the Moss Eisley map. Um <laughs> and yeah, man. So I, I actually got into Star Wars through the prequels. So that's kind of why the prequels always have like a special place for me. Um, you know, I was surrounded by Star Wars fans uh as a kid, uh, you know, through my friends and uh they kind of got me into it and then so I kind of watched them in that order where I watched them in numerical order, I guess. Um, and realized like after enjoying the prequels, it made me grow an appreciation for the, the, um, you know, the original trilogy, you know, later on and things like that. So, um, but yeah, huge fan, huge fan. I, I, uh, my girl gets tired of me watching star Wars over and over and it's movie night and I'm putting on a star Wars movie. <laughs> so as soon as I saw that this was, uh, this was happening, 
um, you know, I the little kid inside me got all fired up, and I was I was pumped. I was ready to go. So thank you guys for having me. Uh, okay, so have you had an opportunity to go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at either of the two Disney parks yet? I have not. Um, it it's always been for me. It's like I've been wanting to go. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to even just like go to Disneyland in forever. Mm. Uh, I think the last time yeah. I went was in high school. I went to the uh, Disneyland in Tokyo, actually. Um, but they didn't have they didn't have the uh, the the Star Wars kind of stuff blown up like they do now. Um, so definitely, it's on the bucket list for sure. And I, I always, you know, got a bunch of friends that always go and um, you know always uh, being updated on everything that's out there. So. Yeah, it's it's a pretty incredible land. And even as a, for somebody that's, you know, not super into Star Wars, just having not grown up with it or, or becoming such a big fan, it's such an incredible space in the park that they've done such a great job with. Um, I think you'd really enjoy it. And so I hope that you get out there pretty soon. But Chris, it is time to talk a little bit of Spoonful of Sugar. And I, of course, I need a little something because as I said in the intro, I am so unknowledgeable when it comes to Star Wars. I think I might be serving as the tiebreak in this episode, in this bracket. Uh, so <laughs> what are what are you going to be drinking down these these takes with? Uh, so uh, we went with the Mad Tea Party on the last episode with a little uh, little gin and tea. And, and I'm kind of going the same route, but it is morning time. So instead of the cold tea, I've got the hot tea. Ooh. The um, in the, it's served in the frozen on Broadway mug. It's uh, it's calm chamomile, which is the best, which is like the best tea of all time. Sure. And uh, because we're doing Star Wars, it's the uh, calm chamomillennium falcon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that is that work? <laughs> is that work? We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Take it. I don't know. Uh, what about you? <laughs> I've. You, you're right. It is morning time. It's probably one of the earliest recordings that we've done. So I woke up and I just brewed a nice cup of coffee. I need something to, to get me going to talk about Star Wars. And I, you know, it's, it's too early for me to come up with the name. I'm just having some, some nice coffee. I'm trying to wake up still. It's only been about 30 minutes. So I'm sipping on some, some hot bean water. Um, Andre, what have you got in your cup? Sounds solid. Um, yes, you guys are right. It is early. Um, but you know, for, for a podcast of this magnitude, uh, I had to do it big. So, uh, I'm going to call this Mace Win uh, master Mace Windu's Moss Eisley Mexican mule. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Somebody has to hold it down for the pod. I'm yeah. so glad it's uh, for the record. Andre's two hours ahead of us. Yes. So, yes. Uh, Oh yeah, that's very true. I didn't even think about that. So it's really early over there. Yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'll be I'll be good by noon. <laughs> I'll be good by love noon. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it, love it. All right, we got some drink in our cup, and it is time to hop in to the world's favorite podcast segment. It is the pull of the pod. If you are just joining us for the first time because we are talking Star Wars, number one, I am sorry. And number two, we have been pulling out upper deck cards that celebrate Disneyland's 50th anniversary, six, five or six cards at a time, and we are looking for one very specific card. It is the animatronic Tom Morrow from Innoventions. 
in both Walt Disney World and in Disneyland. So far, we have not found Tom Morrow in our packs, but you know, the force might be with us this week. So let's figure it out. Let's see if we can find Mr. Tom Morrow. The first card is a debut attraction. It is the horse-drawn streetcars. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, uh, it's a transportation mean, uh, ride. I was going to say, it's a transportation attraction. Uh, animal feces uh, okay. live and in person at the Disney parks. Sure, sure. So it's a black and white photo of a horse-drawn trolley that goes down Main Street. Um, and it's the same photo on the back. So there's that. Oh, man, Chris, I thought we had it. <laughs> oh, I looked down at this pack and I was like, dude, we found them. But it's not. This is another debut attraction, 1972's Country Bear Jamboree. Oh. And the reason why I thought we found him is because the photo is just a bunch of bear animatronics. But I couldn't really tell that it was just bear animatronics. And I was like, wait a minute. This is Tom Morrow. But the front is all of the country bears in their little jamboree sesh. Um, and on the back is the uh, the lady bear that swings from the ceiling. I don't know if you know mm. country bears at all. I don't mm. I don't know her nope. name. Okay. I, don't. I don't have time for that <laughs> can't, one. Can't wait till we have to talk about it on a future bracket and have no idea what it is. Uh, next one, 1955's Monsanto's Hall of Chemistry. We talked a little bit about Monsanto uh, and how awful of a company they are. I think we talked about it on our DCA bracket. For some we reason. talk about it a lot, honestly. Okay. <laughs> um, this is the uh, what it says on the back. Retired in 1966, the Hall of Chemistry was a free walkthrough exhibit that was created to demonstrate the wonders of chemicals, plastics, and man-made fibers. Ooh, does that sound like a good day at Disneyland? <laughs> and our final... Final card before the attraction poster is not Mr. Tom Morrow, so we'll be back again next week. It is 1955's Tomorrowland Autopia. All right. So this is an attraction okay. that Chris wants out of the park. Sure and do. It, it, on the front is just some old school Autopia cars. It's actually a pretty cool photo. It's them passing the Matterhorn with the monorail going over it. Uh, I like that photo a lot. And then on the back is a black and white photo of... A dude in a spacesuit, and I think that I think that's Bobby Gurr. Doesn't say in the description, but I'm gonna say it's the best Bob. And then we have our attraction poster, and Chris, you're gonna like this one. It is a classic. It is the Haunted Mansion, the OG Haunted Mansion poster with the hitchhiking hitchhiking ghosts on the front, um, in horrifying sight and sound. Uh, so we ended it on a high note. We haven't found Mr. Tom Morrow. Maybe we'll do it next week. We will have to wait until then to see. All right. So moving right along, uh, let's let's get into kind of the the bracket, the topic, the best Star Wars battle to to qualify what was eligible for this bracket. We went movies only on this one. There are yep. so many Star Wars TV shows now. There are so many uh, Mandalorian episodes that are incredible. Star Wars Rebels yep. and Star Wars The Clone Wars series. Too many battles. Uh, so we limited it to movies. And I think I think we got a, we got a full bracket. Yeah. It's, I mean, so when I got this, this list, um, I sat down with it and I was like, man, some of these battles are like 30 minutes. And then I sat with it a little bit longer and I was like, 
the series is literally about war. Yeah. <laughs> so of course yeah. the battles are going to be 30 minutes. That is the content of the series. And and we used Wook the official Wikipedia battle list. So a lot of the battles are kind of big and then we can talk about the smaller battles within the battles that happen. Sure. Within it. For example, the battle of Yavin is the end of the first movie and there are a few things that are going on there. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. And to get these 16 Star Wars battles, we had a very special demographic. Chris, who was it? It was Savi's Workshop Lightsaber Builders. You know, for a Star Wars bracket like this, we had to get some diehards and only a Star Wars diehard would spend $300 to build a lightsaber in Disney Park. (laughs) That is ultimately a plastic toy. Hey, you know what? <laughs> if that if you value that that much, I don't I'm not going to judge you, but no. you got to really love Star Wars. Absolutely. And I I haven't done it, but I hear it's more than just building yourself a, a lightsaber. It's an entire experience. There's a a spirituality element to it. Uh so I can see why people are into it, why people want to do it. And Andre, uh once you get to Disney Parks, I think you're going to have to be our boots on the ground and go experience this for us and let us know how it goes. Yeah, I might I might need to do a, a, a little vlog segment and uh, send that over to you guys. I think think that would be just just kind of experiencing from your guys end the shock and awe on my end of, of seeing a lot of that for the first time is going to totally be entertaining, totally. I'm sure. Uh, uh, Andre, if you could choose a lightsaber blade color, what, what are you going with? Ooh. Um, I think you got to stick with the classic blue. I think the blue is, is kind of that, that, that kind of really well balanced where those are usually what the Jedi Knights are, are wielding. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it holds a pretty good balance with force, um, and combat. So I I think, think you can't go wrong with blue. Nice. I got, I think I go black if that's possible. (laughs) Is there a black lightsaber? There's the. Yeah, you got the you yeah. got the dark saber. Okay, yeah, dark saber. You, you can be like Gus from Breaking Bad, dude. Chopping, chopping fools <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mandalorian. There you go. I don't know what color I would go with because I also honestly don't really know. I mean, any any color ever. I would. Let's see. I I would go. I would I would I would go a little pink. I think. Have we have we seen a pink Ooh. saber yet? Uh. There's probably one in some, yeah, yeah, some Star Wars thing I'm somewhere. It. Probably has. I'm bringing it. Yeah. I'm rolling up to Savi's workshop and saying, yeah. "Where's the pink one? Give it to me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there are in 2021 more Star Wars movies than I ever thought there would exist <laughs> when I was a child. Yes. And and with that comes a lot of Star Wars battles. And believe it or not, we had a, a handful that did not make the list here. So, uh, Kyle, what are some missed the dance Star Wars battles for you, if you can think of any <laughs> yeah, at all? I don't know, man. They got, like, the fact that these battles had names on this list, I was like, I don't... How do, how do people know that? I, 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 I guess, like, in my small pea brain head of mine uh, when it comes to Star Wars... I, <laughs> If I had to say something that was missing, I would go with uh, the the battle between Obi-Wan and Jango Fett from Attack of the Clones. Uh, that just sticks out in my mind because Jango Fett is such a, uh, you know, memorable character from the prequels to me. Uh, 
especially because I remember seeing the prequels in in movies and in, in the theaters uh, and thinking that Obi-Wan was freaking awesome. A uh, little Christopher Robin out here with yielding a lightsaber with his amazing accent. <laughs> so I think that that one would be a miss the dance only because it, for whatever reason, has stuck with me. And I don't even remember the context of it, but I remember that the battle stuck with me. Chris, what is a miss the dance for you? Uh, I got two. I got a uh, battle on Jeddah from Rogue One. Rogue One. I I don't know that it's my favorite Star Wars movie, but it feels super real. Yeah, something I really appreciate about it that we'll talk about more later. But battle on Jeddah is towards the beginning of the movie where they're kind of like at the base of the old Jedi temple and the uh, Empire shows up and they just kind of like fighting them. There's some cool kind of like uh samurai inspired combat there yep. and a lot of just kind of like scrappy scrappy fighting love it also the battle of takadana from the force awakens which is when the squad rolls up to maz kanata's cantina <laughs> and then uh first order shows up and just tries to bust everything up and then poe and the resistance fighters roll in and there's a little little very small skirmish there and and that was the moment that I got sold on The Force Awakens. Because like up until then in the movie, I was kind of like, ah, huh. I don't know if I'm liking this. Not sure. And then that, that scene happened. I was like, okay, I think, I think I'm in. I think I'm invested. Uh, Andre, any for you that stick out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, mostly uh, there's, there's a few that got left out from uh, episode three uh, in particular. And um, I know why, like uh, the the duel in Palpatine's office, I think is like a, it's one of the most pivotal moments in the entire saga. And it takes place in about five minutes. Um, And while the acting is cheesy and the lines are questionable, um, (laughs) it is pretty crazy when you realize the context of what is happening there when uh, Palpatine does his little... uh, uh, his little Sith twirl as he's going towards them. And then he just obliterates three Jedi masters in like five seconds. And while it does, while it looks kind of like, Oh, that was kind of a cheesy way to die. It, it more speaks to the power of Palpatine in that moment of his dark side power. Um, and then how Mace Windu is about to end his life. And, uh, Anakin jumps in and then Mace gets killed. Like, it's just, it's a wild sequence of events. I think that one, um, was was one I would have liked to see in the dance, and then the other one, which was a scene that happened shortly after that, the duel in the Galactic Senate between Yoda and uh, Palpatine. Um, you know, seeing all of Yoda's acrobatics uh, flying all over the place, and then <laughs> jumping being Yoda, dude. Yeah, and then they they start hurling the, uh, the the little pods at each other, and then Yoda catches one with the Force <laughs> and starts spinning it. Yeah, so those are those are some pretty cool ones, um, but. <laughs> Like you said, there's so many movies, and um, it's hard to pick 16. It's hard to pick 16, and and uh, you know, not, not leave a handful of them out. So, help me, Anakin. <laughs> help me. <laughs> I'm too weak. I'm too weak. <laughs> yes, yes. Unlimited power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that's. I love that. Uh, uh, I was when I was rewatching episode three, that moment, uh, that duel also stuck out to me. I was like, "Oh shoot!" First of all, Mace Windu, Mace, Mace Windu was about to end this whole thing. Mm-hmm. 
Right. He had him. That's the end this man's life. Against the wall. It, was o- it was over. Mace Windu was about to end this man's whole career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, y'all. Let's, let, let, let's get a move on here. We got our field of 16. Star Wars battles. Ready to talk about them. Let's cue the dramatic music and announce our field. Kyle, take us away. Coming in through the trenches at the number one seed is the Battle of Yavin from Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Oh, brother. Coming in at the number two seed from Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, the Battle of Endor. Packing their snow jackets at the number three seed is the Battle of Hoth from Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Anakin, I thought you hated sand. Coming in at number four from Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, the first battle of Geonosis. Offing Han Solo at the five seed is the Battle of Starkiller Base from Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Salt Bay has entered the chat. Coming in at number six from episode eight, The Last Jedi, The Battle of Crete. Light speeding through your entire day at the number seven seed is the attack on the Resistance Fleet from Star Wars episode eight, The Last Jedi. Who's your daddy? Coming in at number eight from episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, The Duel on Cloud City. Having a beach vacay at the number nine seed is the Battle of Scarif from from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Don't do it, Anakin! Coming in at number 10 from Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, The Duel on Mustafar. Saving royalty at the number 11 seed is the rescue of Princess Leia from Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Do it. Coming in at number 12 from Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, The Battle of Coruscant. Hey, haying their way at the number 13 seed is the Battle of Exegol from Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Like disc. Coming in at number 14 from Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace, the Battle of Naboo. Visiting a mining planet near you at the 15th seed is the Raid on Kessel from Solo, a Star Wars story. Remember, folks, protect your heart. Rounding out the bracket at number 16 from Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith, the Battle of Utapau. Andre, we've got our field of 16. Any early favorites for you here? You know, prequels are always going to have a slight bias for me, uh, but I definitely have respect for some of these top seeds that are in here, uh, going to the original trilogies. <laughs> um, a lot of pivotal moments in the Star Wars saga. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, hear what you guys got to say and, uh, you know, tune in where appropriate. All right, I'll kick things off here. We've got the number one seed, Battle of Yavin versus number 16, Battle of Utapau, Battle of Yavin, coming from episode four, Star Wars. A New Hope. Um, it's the it's the finale scene of the first Star Wars movie. It's it's the one that is one of the most memorable. It's one I would say most of the casual Star Wars people know. It was featured in the original version of the Star Tours attraction in Tomorrowland. It is perhaps the simplest Star Wars battle that we have on this list, and that there's really only one thing to focus on yeah one storyline that is the death star trench run it is luke skywalker in his x-wing going down trying to get to that exhaust port and shoot his little photon cannon beams into the little hole and if it blows up everybody wins and if it doesn't everybody dies very very simple battle 
Uh, going up against number 16, Battle of Utapau, which is from episode three, uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, uh, I, I don't know how far to get into like the, <laughs> the political backdrop of the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> it's pretty complicated. Yes. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I want to say it's a it's a good thing if you think about it like big scale. Sure. If you go in and like watch scenes individually and like listen to dialogue and stuff, it can get kind of boring. And some of the dialogue is like not the best written in the Star Wars prequels. But <laughs> um, I like I want to say like as I've kind of come to understand what was going on, I, I appreciate how complicated the Clone Wars is as like a thing. Yeah. Like you have um. Basically, Emperor Palpatine having a war against himself. <laughs> Basically, he, he's out. He's out here uh, as like a the Chancellor of the Republic Senate, and he's like, "Oh, we got we got all these clone armies, all these trade federations, these separatists. They're 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 trying to attack us. So we gotta we gotta mobilize." And meanwhile. He's Darth Sidious, and he's the guy that's like pulling the strings in the Trade Federation and the Separatists also. So like this is right. all just a giant ploy to legitimize his power takeover and establish the Galactic Empire as we know it in the original trilogy. That is the Star Wars prequels in a couple sentences. <laughs> totally. Uh, pretty good, pretty good summation there. But it it kind of like makes it a very complicated movie or like each movie is a complicated movie and the prequels themselves are complicated to think about from like a movie watcher's perspective because I don't know who to root for and like I don't really know who the good guy is in a lot of the situations, you know, where you have the clones versus the Trade Federation droids. It's like they're they're both evil and we know uh-huh. they're both evil. So like what what are we doing here? Uh, so Utapau, like Obi-Wan goes to this base where General Grievous has like taken the separatist generals and been like, all right, we're going to we're going to go to Mustafar. And but we're hanging out here for a second. And Obi-Wan comes up just to like bust up the party. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's got some clone reinforcements coming. But uh, essentially, it's it's the it's the place where Obi-Wan fights General Grievous in a lightsaber battle. Like that is the yes. that is kind of like the most important thing that happens. <laughs> Um, General Grievous. General Grievous is crazy. He's like a crazy Star Wars creation. I, I don't right. know. He's like half man, half machine. Uh, and he's like a spider in his movements. He's got like eight arms. He has a bad cough. He's he's got uh eczema, or is that emphysema? Is it, what, what is, is a skin got? disorder? <laughs> he probably has eczema. He probably has both. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Deterioration of the machine skin. Eczema <laughs> and emphysema, fam. So, uh, wh- whatever he is, he's like half man, half robot. Um, and he does an interesting thing. I will say this is like an interesting thing about General Grievous. He collects the lightsabers of the Jedi's he's killed. Uh, I like that over the years. I like that, which a lot. is cool. It's very like piratey, honestly. It's like a- that's why I like it so much. Of course. Had to shout that out for you. <laughs> um, and then he says that he was trained in the Sith arts by Count Dooku. Or does he say he was trained in lightsaber combat? I don't remember exactly what he says, 
He's trained in the Jedi arts. Okay. By Dooku, because Dooku was once a Jedi. So he's yes. got... Um, he understands kind of Jedi combat and how to fight against Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi should have lost in that fight. Like... <laughs> And, like any normal person listen. who has one lightsaber is going up against a guy with like eight spinning lightsabers. Like, listen, who's... you could say that about every single Jedi in the prequels. <laughs> every every time there's a battle in the prequels, it's like the Jedi should have lost this. What what superpowers have they suddenly enabled that they just have double X button jump can, and can soar through the sky in order to do things? It is like shockingly easy for Obi Wan to like chop off. <laughs> Je- parts of General Grievous's limbs, um, yeah. so so he does. It takes literally like thirty seconds for for General Grievous to go from six lightsabers to two, and it's like okay, this is man, <laughs> this is manageable now. Two two lightsabers versus one, we can we can work with this. Uh, General Grievous like jumps away and he's riding some little vehicle that looks like a giant wheel. The thing I like most about this battle is the way that it ends, where Obi Wan shoots. General Grievous in the chest. Uh, and like that kind of like ability to do other types of combat that aren't just lightsabers and like force pushing is interesting. And that, cause that is like a normal thing for someone in like a, I guess like a knight, like a knight always carries a dagger because like not only are they going to like sword fight from a distance, but like if it gets close combat, they're going to shank you too. Sure. Or like those like pirate swords have like the brass knuckles on them so that like you can mm-hmm. get punched. And so sometimes like when I'm watching these lightsaber battles, I'm like, this is, uh, you got, you're getting in close here. Like you should have a second <laughs> weapon to like, you know, the, they'll like get in there, like right in each other's faces with the lightsaber. And it's like, it feels like okay. that's why Kylo had it figured out with the little, the little boys that come off the don't, lightsaber don't get and, don't never... get me started on those things. <laughs> um so yeah i i like i like the kind of like dirty like the dirty move by obi-wan to end the fight with the blaster um in a new hope they talk about the lightsaber as a weapon obi-wan same character says uh lightsaber uh, elegant weapon, not clumsy or random like a blaster, more civilized edge. Elegant edge for a more civilized age, something like that. Uh, so it's funny that he has killed someone with the blaster in the middle of lightsaber combat. Um, ultimately, this... And then he tosses, I think it's also, in- sorry, I think it's also interesting that you say that because uh, after he kills Grievous with the with the blaster, he tosses the blaster on the ground and he goes so uncivilized and he just like <laughs> that's right just yeets the right. the gun across the <laughs> across the ground uh, so I, you know that's that's a that's that's cool that you mentioned that i i totally forgot that he mentioned that in uh, episode 4 um i honestly like i obi-wan is probably the best character in like all of star wars in my opinion both sure. like as like a character from a movie perspective and like as a, a jedi he's a pretty damn good jedi he he's always aware of like his surroundings and he'll be like moving objects kind of like and uh he's, he's one of the only logical people in uh Phantom Menace as well when Qui-Gon is like drunk the whole time and just has no <laughs> idea what he's doing and Obi-Wan is like come on man like <laughs> um 
I, I'm, I got to go with the battle of Yavin on this one simply for the kind of like iconicness of it um, and it being just a, a huge moment for Star Wars, the, the brand. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm going to go with the one seed here. Uh, it's just such a, a pivotal. Mo- I, I can't even say that because I think that a lot of battles and moments on this bracket can be considered like pivotal moments. Like there's a lot of things that if this went the other way, then you could say like the series doesn't exist or like that world would end. But I feel like that's the storyline of so many of these battles. But just what it means, like any any person, even if they're not a huge Star Wars fan, can see the Death Star getting blown up and be like, that's a star. That's Star Wars right there. That's Star Wars. Um. So I agree with you. Uh, number one is definitely moving on. We can talk more about it next round. Andre, do you agree with our choice? Absolutely. And um, you know, I think I think unfortunately the Battle of Utapau got a got a tough got a tough first round here. Um, Battle of Yavin is is uh, it's a classic. And um, you know, I th- I think uh, Chris, you definitely mentioned a few important things just kind of regarding the prequels real quick, which is that if the, if they stop making movies after two thousand four. You know, episode three was where they cut it off, and then they stopped making all Star Wars content and just ended it there. The prequels would suck; they would suck, and um, I, I wouldn't be as big a fan of them if it wasn't for a lot of the extra content that they filled in the gaps with. Um, it's part of why I am also such a big fan of Episode Four because Rogue One, in my opinion, made Episode Four so much better, um, filled a lot of the holes in the in the story that a lot of us were wondering. Um, I just I think it is just worth mentioning in that on that 16 seed that that uh, Grievous dying to Obi Wan um, was a you know is a huge turning point in the war. Obviously, um, there had been several times I know we're just talking movies, but there had been several times through the Clone Wars series that they nearly kill Grievous and then he escapes. Mm. He's he's an escape artist. Mm. He jumps in his pod and he he just he escapes death. He escapes being captured. So this was like. The 20th time we finally got him. And <laughs> I also found it interesting that, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's on the low ground. He's hanging from the ledge oh, yeah. and, you know, kills him from the low ground, which is not, um, you know, what happens on the, the Battle of Mustafar, which we'll talk about later. But um, so just a lot, of, a lot of cool things happening there. But it's just too big of a giant to face on round one. So, yeah, I think you guys nailed it. All right, let's move on to the next matchup. It is the number eight duel on Cloud City from Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back versus the number nine Battle of Scarif from Rogue One. The aesthetics of this Rogue One battle mm. are immaculate, baby. Mm. <laughs> Give mm. me a beach battle, team beach battle movie, Rogue <laughs> One, Star Wars, love it. All we're missing is a big singing, dancing number, and you have it all with this Rogue One battle. Um, it is it's the moment when Jin's trying to they, they got to get the the master plans up to their homies and they're being completely blocked the entire time while they're on this beach and eventually they're able to do it um that i the fact that this so i don't know if i mean of course you guys remember because this was a pretty like big moment uh in just like star wars movie dumb like rogue one being this separate thing that's not related to like an one of the episodes or any of the like sagas necessarily it's kind of like a a timeline let's let's jet off really quick and see what actually happened and when the like promo material for this movie 
featured these massive billboards, especially here in the Bay, that were just the stormtroopers walking through like tropical waters. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know it has nothing to do with like the battle, but the, I just have to say that their marketing materials for this movie got me into theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the vibe. And like it also feels like they had to be like, okay, let's see here. Where have we been in the galaxy? Uh snow. Yep. Uh let's see. Tropical rainforest. Mm-hmm. We've done it. Uh desert. A lot of times we've we have a lot of sand in our movies. <laughs> we haven't been to a beach yet. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go on vacay and shoot this movie at a beach. Um, there's a lot happening in this. You have all of the goodies. You got space warfare. You got planes. You've got stormtroopers on the ground. You got a lot of blasters. You got just chaos. And I think that when I think about um, Star Wars battles, I think of first and foremost, something having to do with like Jedi and sabers. And we don't get that here, but also just like space chaos just you know um uh air warfare of some sort and you see that here uh and 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 that's that uh the plans get transmitted uh it's not included in this but part of this battle in my mind is vader going full commando crazy uh and and we get that video game cut scene that Josh Radden always talks about uh where it's just Vader going absolutely ham, even though we've never seen him go ham like that before. Uh, and that's that's a moment like the, people talk about that a lot in reference to Rogue One because we've never seen Vader go all out like that. Not included in this, but had to call it out. Duel on Cloud City, Luke v. Vader. Luke v. Vader. And also backpack C-3PO. <laughs> that's all oh, I can think about. No. That's all I can think about. Uh, and R2 for the millionth time getting electrocuted. Uh, this is them escaping Cloud City, uh, Luke encountering Vader. This is where that m- iconic moment of Luke learning that Vader is his daddy. And you get the overacting by Mark Hamill. Iconic no. overacting by Mark Hamill. <laughs> that, that's not true. That's no. impossible. <laughs> Um, and there's a moment in this battle between Luke and Vader and like what I will give the prequels credit for is making lightsaber fighting look absolutely badass because the two-handed sword fighting that we get in the original saga hurts my brain a little bit because we see just a lot of like it feels like we're watching two kids with like cardboard tubes just kind of like swing back and forth with two hands and you get some of that here but there's an amazing moment in which Darth Vader decides to not take the stairs he decides to just like float down them (laughs) and it's it's so funny watching these now watching these and then immediately watching a battle from Rogue One because I watched these all in order of of ranking here and then watching some prequel like bad CGI stuff and then watching some of the new saga, like things that look pretty good. And it's just those fighting styles just all over the place. And like in the prequels, you've got Jedi's doing these crazy super jumps. Just like no physics. Doesn't no. matter. If I need no. to get there, I'm a jump there. Yeah. Well, I guess unless uh, your master is about to be killed by Darth Maul, then then you cannot suddenly force jump mm-hmm. or force run. 
You can't do anything. In fact, <laughs> in fact, you get kicked in the face and rebound with a backflip. <laughs> and uh, we'll get to it. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah. So in in this matchup, uh, I think I might have to go the iconic route again and just like Luke learning that Vader is his dad is such a big part of these storylines and sets kind of the motive for Luke moving forward. And I think that um, as much as like you know, Rogue One, that is a big part of the storyline as well, but it's kind of jettisoned into these sagas, right? Like we didn't need to know this and we could kind of just ignore it. But they were like, no, let's let's figure out how they did get the plans to the Death Star. Um, and the battle is great, but I need I need lightsabers in my life when it comes to Star Wars and it just doesn't have it. So I'm going number eight, Chris. Um, These... <sighs> I, I also like Duel on Cloud City for a lot of a lot of reasons. The one v one is always, yeah, it's always great to me. It's it's it, it just feels like everything is on the line when you have a one v one. Everyone's got something to prove, but um, this this duel on Cloud City is interesting because it's it's really not it's really not the same. It's not a one v one because Darth Vader is clearly not trying to kill Luke Skywalker in this right. situation. He is just trying to like lead him on a little bit. We, we we just saw Darth Vader absolutely wreck people on that little ship at the end of Rogue One. Like he could do that to Luke in two seconds and squeeze his head and it just explode. But he, yeah. but he's not going to do that. Um, and honestly, that's why I think I like Battle of Scarif better here, um, because this Battle of Scarif puts the wars in star wars it's got like you said it's got everything it's got troops on the ground yeah there's no lightsaber battles but it it really feels real in a way that i think no other battle feels real just like the way that they focus on the human element of the battle where you've got people having to make split seconds difficult decisions you know Mm -hmm. and uh People dying very unceremoniously when it's like, oh, okay, I'll go get the switch. Dead. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like uh, Star Wars, everyone's a hero in Star Wars. Everyone's a badass at all times. Except for in Rogue One when like people are cowards and people are scared. People have no idea what they're doing. Uh, they're just doing it live and sometimes it works out. The The use of like practical sets and props and costumes in this battle also just makes it feel so real. Um, one thing you didn't talk about is the, is the kind of like tediousness of Jin Erso's task in recovering the like physical death star plans from that thing. And kind of like seeing the, the chaos and the explosions happening outside versus the little like, boop, 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 yeah, boop, yeah, boop, yeah. Boop, and like you and the audience are like, Okay, you gotta go you gotta go faster <laughs> than that like come on uh, just very suspenseful I, I i love it um yeah respect for the iconic uh i'm your daddy but i'm going with the number nine so andre you're breaking the tie here oh boy well um this one is interesting because you know like you said we've got a really iconic moment i i what i'm trying to do here is remove because that that element of episode five is not a 
is not so much a battle moment. It is something that happens within yeah, um, sure. that battle, and, and, you know, it's a result of that battle. Um, so I want to give respect to that. Um, however, I do definitely feel that the Battle of Scarif is hugely underrated at 9. Um, for a lot of those reasons that you said, Chris, but um, I think that <clears throat> you see really high-intensity gunfighting happening that we don't get in any Star Wars saga. Mm. So just looking at the ground level um, gunfights that are that are going on, we get that rebel feel that I felt that was there from like Star Wars Battlefront where you were on like the front lines and um, we're seeing kind of the brutal nature of the gunfights, which we don't always see in some of the other battles. I feel like in some of the other battles, we're getting more of like a macro view um, particularly in like the prequels when we're when we're getting like an aerial view of Kashyyyk, for example, and, um, you know, the Wookiees are all fighting um, against the, the droids. It's a lot of you kind of see guys just kind of get knocked down and, and then the camera just keeps kind of moving. <laughs> this one, there are scenes where you're watching guys in the trenches, dirt's flying in their face. They're getting back up and they're they're firing some really heavy duty artillery weapons um, that you also mentioned, like the. Every single character from that movie dies. Um, love it. Every single major character that. in that movie dies. And they all die on this scene, sacrificing for the cause. Yeah. And then just to top it all off with the cherry uh, is, is, that, is that crazy scene with Vader coming through. And that, that one minute and a half scene is probably my favorite of the entire Star Wars saga. Wow. Um, because... We hear, we, we, we've been told, you know, through video games and through a lot of the filler shows and things like that, that Vader is supposed to be the most powerful Star Wars character um, of all time. But all we have to show for it are the original trilogy where he's two-hand fighting, right? right? Or he kind of floats, floats <laughs> down the stairs kind of thing. So, so this was their way of showing us, is filling those gaps. Like I said, Rogue One did a really good job of filling the gaps of hey vader vader's a bad man <laughs> this guy this guy if, if he comes through that hallway you're done for mama there so, goes that man yeah let's let's do our best just to pass the the baton like it's a track meet through the door <laughs> because i know i'm not going to survive this just take the plans let's at least you know push for the cause so um i gotta go with number nine here uh battle of scarif and like i said i just think that one's a of um a very underrated uh, number, and and so I, I feel that the the duel on Cloud City, I think it's appropriately ranked at eight. Um, I think this we we've got a we've got a sleeping giant there with the Battle of Scarif. So, all right, let's move on to the next matchup. It's first Battle of Geonosis versus Battle of Exegol. These new Star Wars movies, they they went into a tailspin by the end. Of them, <laughs> you know, like I just I like I said, they got me. About halfway through The Force Awakens and then like slowly everything just kind of like I, I, I could feel it slipping through my fingers like with each scene through the ending of Force Awakens through The Last Jedi through the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. I'm like I completely lost interest in any of this. Um, but like if I if I will give Battle of Exegol credit for one thing. It's that they did a good job of kind of like simplifying the finale. Um, the comp, the finale of episode one, it was like notoriously very complicated where you had like almost too many things happening during the final battle. 
Yes. Uh, whereas with the Battle of Exegol, to, to wrap up the Skywalker saga, they kind of, again, like trimmed it back down where you only had really two elements, and that was Poe and the uh, Resistance fleet going for the kill um, on the, the First Order. And then you had Rey and Kylo and Emperor Palpatine kind of like dealing with their family drama and <laughs> like sort of battling each other slash sort of just like feeling each other out. Um, it all just, like I said, it, it like becomes less, it has like less form to it, I guess, you know, like it's a little bit less structured and a little bit more like charactery, which I appreciate a lot from like a movie perspective, but from a battle perspective, it makes things feel a little bit less fulfilling, I think. Um, Ray dies. Kylo Ren uses force powers to like bring her back to life. And then Kylo Ren dies. And then I, it's very frustrating. The, the, the ending of that whole, like I said, it just all kind of goes into a tailspin. and I don't like it very much. First battle of Geonosis is crazy. <laughs> this is a crazy battle. This is uh, the kind of like arrival of the clones for the first time. Like this is um, <laughs> our boy Jar Jar Binks, uh, first of all, is responsible for this battle because he goes to the Senate and he's like, I vote for extreme emergency powers to be given to the chancellor. And then they, they the clones roll up. They roll up on a Geonosis where the separatists are hanging out and the Clone Wars begin right there in that moment. Um, <clears throat> Mace Windu is like the first guy on the scene, though. This part mm-hmm. is over. Um, w- w- the Jedi. The Jedi, are they like the FBI of this Star Wars universe? Like, they, because they, they're not quite cops. They're a little bit more like specialized than cops because they do a bunch of like little investigation things. And they're kind of like specially trained. But like... It seems like they're just working. They're just working for the government, right? That's that's yeah. They're they're kind. Of, that's a good way of I guess looking at it in like a real world context. Um, they're keepers of the peace. That's what they call themselves. So right. you know, essentially, yeah, they um, they they serve independently, um, but they serve for the common good, and um, you know, they side with the republic, and they don't want to intervene in any sort of republic affairs um, unless people's safety is at risk so you know that's i guess that's that's one comparison you could make and this is this is the moment where they decide like it's time time to hop in here yeah um and you also gotta remember at this point this is like they're trying to they're trying to avoid if a full-scale war from happening um and so as soon as they get intel of who those leaders are and you know uh, they have a chance at stopping it before it gets to a full-scale war there that's what they're you know they're hoping to do so like that's kind of where we jump into there right so so base windu rolls up with like 100 jedi <laughs> and like to me this is one of the this is one of the more memorable moments of the entire prequel saga is this like arena battle where you have like 100 jedi versus 100 um uh, the the droid army guys Mm-hmm. Um, before that, you've got the little, the little like arena execution gone wrong with, with pa- Padme and Anakin and, and Obi-Wan escaping these like three beasts that they have kind of like unleashed upon them. 
and then they they somehow like take one of them and are using one of them to like be in the battle it's just it's just crazy and then and then like it leaves the arena and then there's this huge giant other battlefield it's so long and there are so many things <laughs> going on um and like and then you and then you get to ninja yoda then you get to jedi yoda by the end of it like this <laughs> this battle of geonosis is like the entire episode 2 almost and and it it's kind of nauseating in a way because it's so like intense by the end of it but uh i i think it's more important than the battle of exegol when it comes to like kind of being one of those turning point moments in the whole Skywalker saga. I'm going with Battle of Geonosis. I don't care about I don't care about Exegol. I don't care about what happened to Rey. I don't care about what happened to Kylo. I'm sorry. Um, you better put some respect on my boy Babu Frick, baby. He comes back. Are you, <laughs> that dude is hilarious. Are you joking? <laughs> are you joking? I don't even remember what the that armored woman's name is, but when she makes a really bad one-liner so like the so long sky trash and pose like who is that and she says something about him being like a smuggler or something and babu pops up hey hey give me it <laughs> give me it every time i love every time love me some babu freak every single time um this feels like this battle of exegol feels like um what you said where it's Almost as if they were like, we can't really explain the end of this saga. So what we're going to do is just like bring everybody to one venue. And that's just how it's going to wrap up. Um, and especially that like one shot of all of the fleet showing up and coming in from like light speed. It was very um, uh, Avengers uh, Endgame, right? It's very much. Just, I literally put that in my notes. It's <laughs> Avengers esque. It's yeah. very much like, and and Disney had a thing where they were using a lot of like storylines and technology all at the same time. So like Infinity War, that um, when everybody starts disappearing and turning into dust, they were like using that tech in a ton of other movies where like any time they needed something to like turn to dust or dust effects, it was that same mechanic. And so I feel like they were just passing over like animation machines to everyone and like oh oh you want you want this movie to wrap up well here's the everyone showing up at once mechanic go ahead and just plug and play your your ships and we can make it happen for like one thing that always takes me out of star wars battles especially on this list is like the use of um like creatures for some reason because i don't really associate it like Star Wars with like going into battle with creatures. So Finn and all of the homies on these like space horses is just like, no, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and even in like a battle that we've already talked about. Um, oh man. Uh, the one in which uh, I think, Oh, it was the um, Utapau mm, when yeah. Obi-Wan's on a giant lizard. Takes yeah. Me out. That thing was Takes annoying. That thing made an annoying sound. I was like, Oh, um but i think i'm going to uh, agree with you chris here uh the the ending of rise of skywalker is like 
simple messy if that makes sense like it just bring everybody in and we'll try and wrap it up and hope that you get distracted by the the mass chaos um and i also am with you that i by that point you're kind of tired of figuring out who who ray is yeah i don't care anymore i don't care anymore um and also just like the mood swings of kylo like what side is he on constantly gets exhausting and even in that moment it, it's pretty tiring i'm gonna go with you um andre did we make the right decision here absolutely um don't really have much else to add there in terms of exegol um i think you know it was it was it was kind of a shocker when we're like oh wow that's 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 grandpa sure. <laughs> but but i you know i i wasn't a big fan of how it ended and um the battle scene itself, I mean, I like you said, it was kind of Avengers-esque, and the battle scene itself was was cool in that sense where there was a lot happening, um, and I think that they gave Finn a pretty big role there toward the end. He kind of started to, and maybe this is telling of the next trilogy, but I don't know. Um, Finn started to get a little bit of force sensitivity um, yeah. in that battle where he felt, he said he felt something that told him that the communications were coming from that ship and this and that so i mean there's potential there and maybe they fill those gaps later um with other stuff but uh yeah i just don't think that that's got any chance of competing with geonosis um i'll talk a little bit more about geonosis in the next round um when it's got a little bit more competition but uh chris had a lot of those really good points about geonosis there's um there's a lot happening for the first time in the cinematic universe um, that kind of create this this shock value um, in that battle of Genosis. So um, yeah, I think I think that's that one's going to take the crown for sure in this in this match. All right, let's talk about this next matchup. It's the number five battle of Star Killer Base from Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. First, the number twelve battle of Coruscant from Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. We're back on Episode Three. Um, the Force Awakens battle of Star Killer Base. I remember being really stoked for because this is the moment in which Ray reveals that she has like the force and she can summon lightsabers as if she's an absolute superhero. Um, what I thought was interesting is this Andre and Chris, is this the first time that we see a like non Jedi? Well, Andre kind of just alluded to it that like maybe Finn does have some force sensitivity but like is this the first time that like we see somebody yield a, a lightsaber that isn't associated like directly with jedi yeah this was i remember when this movie came out there was a lot of backlash on um on the movie with regards to this this particular battle scene um because they made kylo ren out to be this I mean, they were they gave him force abilities that just seemed unreal, yeah. and you know, Star Wars fans were sitting there when, when we're going through the first uh, the first ninety minutes of the movie. We're like, dude, Kylo Ren is legit. Like that to have that force ability, um, you know, to have that connection that he's got and and some of his powers is, is insane. This guy's a very powerful, um, you know, this guy's a very powerful being, and then he. Gets his ass kicked by Ray, right? <laughs> who doesn't even? I mean, she's never even used a lightsaber, right. and I get if she's force sensitive. Like I get the whole scene where she, uh, 
uses the force to 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 take the lightsaber and and like that was that was pretty cool. I thought that was very well done, yeah. and I thought that that showed that hey, she's actually she's got something working for her here, right? Like she's she's pretty powerful. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the first time where you see someone who's completely untrained in combat because even someone as powerful as Luke, he required intense training right. to get to the point where he was, and Ray is just. But I mean, you could also argue, and this is something that it eventually filled the holes. She is a descendant of Palpatine. She's got she's got something special in her. Right. And I remember uh, a lot of my uh, friends were pointing out that she had uh, she had Sith fighting style. Um, uh. She did a lot of those like lunges yes. and um, the the fighting style that that she was using was very reminiscent of Palpatine. Mm. So we weren't necessarily thinking she is a descendant of Palpatine at the time, but people were wondering like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Her natural, her natural fighting style with no training was, was kind of Sith oriented. So. And I'm glad that you bring up fighting style because I think what the newer movies do super well is like give so much personality to each character through their fighting. And like, especially Kylo, like, Kylo is just so bonkers mad all the time, just not even mad like crazy. He's just angry all the time that his fighting style is just so ruthless and raw and jagged. And he is just like swinging away with what seems like no strategy. And in this battle, when he's just trying, when he's just like angrily just chopping trees and freaking, you know, going after Finn and Ray, and Finn and Ray are just playing a ton of defense right before Ray goes like, super say on like i i can understand how to use this lightsaber now um he's just hacking hacking away um and i really like really like that because i think that what the prequels do are just like let you twirl the lightsaber as fast as you can just like literally just like baton this and that's that's the fighting style and this gave it a very like what chris was saying about rogue one like realness to to the battle um this is also the scene in which kylo kills his dad harrison ford said don't put me in any more of these please just please just kill me off here so we get han solo dying um and you know i i also like this battle being in like nighttime snow that feels like it's actually nighttime if that makes sense like i just like how how absolutely real this matchup is or this battle is it's up against number 12 the Battle of Coruscant. Um, this is how Revenge of the Sith like opens up. Love starting just right into the space battle as as a lot of these movies do. The issue is that I like Andre. You brought this up. The cheesy lines of these prequels. It it just my powers have doubled since we last met, Count. <laughs> it hurts it hurts and then not only does it like just generally hurt but watching these battles out of context and just like having to hop in to just watching just the battles you're like oh please (laughs) i just want to i just want to see what this battle is stop with the the quips um our our r4 little droid gets decapitated hadn't seen that before i didn't realize that these like you see r2 just like survive everything right forever r2 will just like never die somehow but all these other droids are so easily offed and all r2 does is actually like infinitely everything i think we talked about r2 in the best star wars character bracket and then also the best robots possibly um 
but he can just like do it all he can just like do anything he can escape any any situation he shows that here in this um battle there was one moment that i was like stoked about for whatever reason and it's when obi-wan goes in to like land his ship onto the bigger ship and hops out as the ship is moving and like does like a backflip and lands i love that (laughs) i don't i don't know why i was just like let's go (laughs) like it, it makes me like Think of like some an athlete pulling off like an inc- incredible like play for some reason. It was just like there's a lot there's a lot happening in these prequels and a lot of just like why did why did they make them do this? I appreciate the theatrics of that. Are you talking about are you talking about when he jumps out of the the thing and like his lightsaber comes out and he starts like fighting right yep. away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's a pretty that's a pretty it's cool. Raw. Pretty cool. <laughs> It's raw. Pretty cool uh, uh, intro. In there. <laughs> I love it. I love it a lot. Um, here's a question for you, and this is this is me um, nitpicking, and there's probably no answer to this because it's the prequels and it's Star Wars. But we know we know that R two can fly, right? We know R two can fly, and at one point the ship starts falling out of the sky, right? And R2 goes sliding down the the like floor because the ship is like tilted. Theoretically, couldn't R2 just activate his little boosters and just float around and not slide all the way down and we think that we're about to lose R2 forever? Not not scream yeah. like he always does. Well, scream. Just turn the boosters on. I think I think we can maybe say that he was out of batteries or his boosters weren't charged or didn't have booster fuel or something like that sure I'll, i mean i'll, I'll he's in, it. He's it in, but r2 was in eco mode at that moment in time <laughs> yeah oh actually that's that's interesting you bring that up i will say remember that was that one scene just before that where r2 uh emptied out his uh didn't he empty out his gas tank yeah and light, <clears throat> light, light the on droids fire. on fire so you could make that argument. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. He was out of fuel. Yeah. I'll accept it. Low on fuel, maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it was intentionally done that way. I think it just, maybe that's something we could point out sure. and bail him out on sure, that. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going with the Battle of the Starkiller base because I love the battle between Ray Finn and Kylo a lot. We get a lot of space battles in this, and the the beginning of episode three is is fine um but like the significance around the battle of the star killer base and how that sets that saga off for the next two movies is important and i like that a lot so i'm going number five chris yeah i um i okay kylo ren's lightsaber yeah let's talk about it is i like the beam aspect of it where it's like very like put together in science class you know it's <laughs> sure. un it's unrefined kind of like Kylo's personality and also his uh, experience in training with the force because he was a dropout. He dropped out yep. of Luke Skywalker's school for Jedi boys. He was like, mm-mm, i going Knights of Ren and we're going to do things our own way. Uh, yep. And so I like that his lightsaber kind of reflects that. The cross guard thing, I, 
I used to be super mad about it. I guess I just don't know understand like the physics of lightsabers. Do they <laughs> stick together whenever they clash? Like, do they do they get stuck? Because a cross guard is on a sword because you can slide down the sword and then get your hands cut off or whatever. And like, no one's ever had that on a lightsaber before. So like, do do you need one? I don't. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um. I'm sure it's more of an aesthetic, but I'm sure there's also a reason behind it that I just don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't think lightsabers, they don't stick as far as I know if they're hitting. So maybe it is meant to actually be a cross guard if it, you know, slides down or whatever. But um, yeah, I think think they put it in there for aesthetic and they're probably going to explain it, you know, at some point and it'll make sense and you know, like they always do. Sure. I, I like Kyle's idea that he uses it to shank people like from the side and just like a little yeah. boop, got him. Um, <laughs> no, the, I think I'm with you on Starkiller base. I like seeing these kind of like new Star Wars characters facing off in the finale. And I like that they're all kind of inexperienced in their own way. Like, yes, Kylo is clearly a much stronger force user. Yes, he should have probably annihilated them. But I think you can explain that away with his kind of like um, incomplete training. And I, I, they kept trying to like really accentuate that he was injured because he kept like hitting himself yeah. in the leg. It's so weird. <laughs> um after I saw that movie, I uh, like we went out to bars or something, and like I was doing that like the whole night, <laughs> out of context. Um, Take a shot and yeah. start yeah, hitting your chest. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm with you, uh, Star Killer Base, going out in the next round. Andre, do you agree with uh, sending the prequels battle of Coruscant home? Oh yeah, um, this one is. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of of uh, number five here, but. Um, they could have done a lot more with 12. I just don't think the battle itself on 12 is, is anything crazy um, with Coruscant. It's a big moment, Dooku dying, and we see the turn of Anakin really start to, to unfold in this movie. Um, you know, not being the Jedi way, and uh, Palpatine's will do it. Um, <laughs> you know, persuasion. But uh, he, uh, you know, it's just not enough for me to be a... Um, a big advocate for this one to 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 really win and anything above it. So I I, I agree here. I think this one's going to be Starkiller base. All right, next matchup, underside of the bracket. It's Battle of Endor number two versus number fifteen, Radon Kessel. Hey, Radon Kessel, Donald Glover on this bracket. Yes. It might be the only time Donald Glover's ever on this bracket until we Probably. talk about Star Wars again. Uh, I just want to shout out his involvement in the Star Wars universe. Uh, he's a he's a fine Lando. He's very confident uh, portrayal of the character, and he is uh, in the in the cockpit on the raid of Ke- the raid on Kessel. Um, but it's the Battle of Endor for me here. Battle of Endor is a real battle. <laughs> raid on Kessel <laughs> is an important mission uh, in this whole like Skywalker saga, but it's it's more of a a raid than an actual battle. Um, it, it's, and it's also a lot like that Hatbox ghost thing we were talking about last week. We're like, did we need the Radon Kessel? Like, did we mm. need to see it and live it? Um, or was it just perfectly okay to be a throwaway line in episode four? I think I lean more towards the second one. I'm sure there are a lot of people that think it was cool to finally see Han really do the Radon Kessel, but, yeah. um, it's, it's hard when you already know what's going to happen. 
Sure. Like I, I already know he's gonna do it in twelve parsec, and it's gonna be a new world record or whatever. Hans <laughs> out here setting PRs for Randall yeah. Kessel. <laughs> I, I already know how it's gonna go. You know. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna do an easy advance here on the Battle of Endor. Yep, yep, I'm with you. Uh, Battle of Endor is has a lot, has a lot of Star Wars going on in it. Moments that have transcended Star Wars and have entered kind of like move pop culture movie culture in general um it's a trap ewoks lightning fingers <laughs> it's a trap ewoks, the big three the, lightning the big three of the star big wars three star wars sure. yeah. <laughs> but i i'm with you we'll talk about it more next week andre do you agree with us yeah uh for sure and um you know with that solo movie uh it kind of just felt forced i think um it kind of felt like like do I think we need a solo movie? Yes. They're doing every single type of show and movie and, and this and that. Do I think the timing was could have been better? For sure. I think they could have waited a few years and brought it out as something, you know, maybe as an in-betweener when they make the next trilogy or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like we just saw we just saw episode seven. Uh, we got we got some solo in there. That was awesome. Let us let us simmer on that for a bit. Um, Because it felt very rushed. It felt very forced in terms of the story that they kind of pushed in there. And like you said, all those things about the Kessel Run. I will say, though, the woke L3 droid in there uh, (laughs) is so dope. (laughs) That is like my favorite thing about that whole movie. uh, Where uh, uh, Lando goes, uh, he goes, can I get you anything? And she goes, equal rights. (laughs) (laughs) Just stares at him and he's just like... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> so i do really like that uh l3 droid in there but yeah this one's endor for sure this one's a no-brainer let's talk about the next matchup it is the number seven attack on the resistance fleet from star wars episode eight the the last jedi versus the number 10 duel of mustafar from star wars episode three revenge of the sith uh, these are these are two biggies huge these are two biggies. huge uh, huge matchup yeah 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 uh the number 10 is obi-wan sending anakin into full vader mode just letting him him burn on the banks of a lava river uh the iconic he has the high ground line which is just so silly so so silly because what are you talking about (laughs) stop (laughs) we've seen obi-wan win with the low ground multiple times already (laughs) in the star wars prequels it's just it's so funny that that was like a determining factor of the fight was that he was like on a hill now. And I know that like it was metaphorically significant, right? It doesn't mean that he's literally on the high ground. There's a lot that goes into it, but that representation of like king of the hill, baby that you've lost. Sorry, it's over time to chop off some legs. It's time for you to burn a little bit. That scene makes you kind of wish or makes me, I won't speak for everybody. Kind of wish that they just delayed everything about five years and let CGI catch up. Because it's it's so close to being there that they it looks it can look like they are actually like floating on these droid barges things over this lava river, fire river. But it the tech just is not quite there. So it looks like you're doing one of the magic carpet 
ride things, uh, green screen things that you can find at like local boardwalks, <laughs> where you just sit like on a on a green block and they'll change the backgrounds and it looks like you're flying on a on a magic carpet. It looks like they used that tech a little bit, and and it's also like we're watching on these like 4K TVs. And we're watching in, in higher def everything. So we can tell when things don't look right. Um, and I remember seeing this in theaters. And I don't remember having that opinion. But I was also like young. And it, I probably also just didn't understand what was happening. I definitely know I didn't understand what was happening. Um, but the I, I thought the battle was cool as a kid. Um, but yeah. So it's it's the moment that sets off the the original trilogy. Uh, for the Star Wars universe, really, and getting Vader to where he needs to be. You see, really, the hatred and the anger out of Anakin. And, Andre, it's interesting that you bring up, or you brought up that, like, it's known that Vader is, like, the most powerful, like, being in the Star Wars universe. And he was so easily chopped into pieces by Obi-Wan. So, like, was Obi-Wan considered, like, the most powerful until, but he was just too too genuine of a Jedi and, and allowed himself to get offed later on that Vader was able to kind of take over. Yeah, no, I, when I, when I said that I was mostly referring to Vader in his cybernetic form. Okay. Um, cause that there was a lot of time that passed between episode three and episode four. Okay. Um, and so, you know, just, there's been a lot of, you know, gaming and, um, you know, other Canon, series that have suggested that vader is definitely one of the most powerful ever um and it just felt like it didn't do enough justice in the in the original trilogies but no you're absolutely right and the, the what's crazy too is he he was probably the most powerful jedi at the time hmm. anakin in right. that moment i think um i, I think one thing ground. to think about is he's uh very he's so consumed by his rage at that point of mm. when he's in the midst of that fight with obi-wan and i think a lot of that was new to him a lot of that's just like raw power that he doesn't quite know how to control sure um so he's going to be reckless and so i think it's just a result of recklessness had that fight been on a complete even ground <laughs> and uh and in a you know in a in a coliseum or something where there's no, no environmental factors. I think Anakin probably beats Obi Wan. I think Got he it. just I think he just outpowers him. Um, but Obi Wan was a smarter fighter, and he was still very, very powerful. So um, I think you know he rightfully won that. Totally. It's up against the attack on the Resistance fleet from Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and dude, this battle with Rey and Kylo is sick. <laughs> This is so dope. I mean, like, just from a, a pure aesthetic standpoint, like the the way this this fight is shot is just so pleasing to the eye because it's so centered and it's so like down the middle of like Ray and Kylo in their corners, like fighting. They'll go back to back. They'll kind of you know acrobatically use each other as tools in this fight, for lack of a better phrase. And it's just really dope. Um, and that's that's only one aspect of this fight, of this battle, right? You have, like, <laughs> Princess Leia getting blowed up and going into space, and then Mary Poppins her way back into <laughs> the spaceship. <laughs> yeah, the point, the point of her hand just guiding herself back, back to safety. 
Oh my goodness. How how great. How great. Uh you have Laura Dern yeeting herself through through some spaceships using light speed, which apparently is a thing that you can do. Um and you have Ray flying in a in a flying coffin. There's a lot of happening in this. There's a lot happening in this. Her like escape pod is just like her in a <laughs> in like a vampire coffin. Uh but this this Kylo and Ray versus Snoke and Kylo chopping Snoke in half and then going ham on these red troopers. I just love it, man. It, Ray Ray is a a battle warrior. She's she's in a form that is that raw intensity um but with you know her her palpatine bloodline flowing through her to give her these abilities you have kylo and his very raw kind of fighting style um it's it's just great i love it a lot i'm going to attack on the resistance fleet moving on here number mm. 7 uh i uh, this is this is Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi is a very controversial movie in that uh, people's opinions can be strong and a lot of people can be judged on the way they think about this movie for some reason. Um, After I saw it, I was like, I don't think I like that very much. Uh, I still don't like it very much. Uh, But I, I... have did and have tried to give it multiple chances. I listened to an interview with Ryan Johnson soon after the movie came out. Um, and, and it was with the slash film crew and they were like, so like, when did you get the script for this movie? Or like, when did you write the script for this movie? And he, he was like, Oh, like before the first star Wars, the new star Wars movie came out and they're like, Oh, well, so did you get like the script for the other one that came before it, before you made your movie? And they were like, no, so it was like he he just had some characters and like where they were at the beginning and just did whatever he wanted. <laughs> and I think it it works in some situations. I do not care about the the holdo maneuver. I think it's cool. I don't I don't mind the like Star Wars physics of the holdo maneuver. A lot of people have issues with it. Um, I don't have an issue with space Leia, um, (laughs) from like conceptual point of view, the way that they, the way that they like execute it was goofy as hell. Come on. You cannot, you cannot admit that it, that like, yeah, so goofy. Um, it was like they, they were doing like a soap opera episode in the midst of this battle, this attack on the resistance, resistance fleet, almost to the point where the attack on the resistance fleet didn't matter as much as what was happening on the ships. Yep. That being Poe being a rude boy and defying his orders. And like you said, Ray and Kylo's kind of relationship and dealing with Snoke and stuff like that. The battle element definitely fell into the background. Dual Mustafar. I have some issues with it. I don't know that it has the emotional intensity that I would want from a battle like that, just because we never really see Anakin and Obi-Wan as great friends in episode one, Obi-Wan is like annoyed at all times by Anakin. And in episode two, they split up because Anakin goes to be with Padme on Naboo. So like, we never really see them develop a friendship. All we get is them kind of like bickering with each other at the beginning of episode two and be like, Oh, remember when you fell into that nest of gundarks and then they do the, um, little, little chase 
but the assassin. Mm-hmm. So like when these two are doing this like 30 minute lightsaber battle, you're kind of like, it's almost like that situation I talked about when we were talking about the Mandalorian, where you have two like invincible forces just like butting heads with each other. And that's kind of like all that it is. So it makes it emotionally not super interesting to me. Um, However, I am going to go with the duel on Mustafar because I think it encapsulates a lot of what the prequels are. And that is just a pure spectacle and just resolving what needs to be resolved to get us to episode four. So I've got the number 10, which means, Andre, you're breaking a tie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, Okay, so first I'm going to say, because it kind of came to mind when you were just talking about the like emotional connection. I think a lot of it is an implied connection, which... You know, you're, people are right to have their own issues with that, that they didn't show enough of that in the, in the saga. Um, I think the, the bigger thing, though, is that it's you got a 10-year-old Anakin boy who, from that point forward, loses his mom. And Obi-Wan is all he has for the rest of his life. And then we get to episode three, and he's, what, like 25 or 26, somewhere around there. So... That's a long period of time, and so it's. I think it's an implied relationship that they that they were very close, and um, they can only do so much in film. And maybe you could argue they could have done a little better job of that in Episode Two instead of him and Padme's relationship, because they spent a lot of time on him and Padme in Episode Two. Um, but again, I think it, they're trying to show the relationship him and Padme had, so that it makes sense why he turned to the dark side and why he was so tempted, at least. Um, but going to uh, uh, going to the attack on the resistance fleet, um, yeah, you guys kind of nailed it. the The Leia kind of space thing is it, we later learn it's a Jedi ability that she developed as a Force ability that she developed um, to preserve her oxygen and make her way back onto the ship and this and that. I think my bigger issue is. She clearly got yeeted off of that ship, yeah. and she looked fine. Right. Like, she had no sort of boo-boos or scabs. or. Anything. I mean, I know she had, like, the little hospital gown-looking thing when she finally came out of the the, the room, but there, I guess there's – if I'm going to have issues, I'm going to have it more with that as opposed to her making her way back to the ship because if a ship explodes, you're in pieces, right? Yep. So, like, her force ability would need to act within that split second where she clearly looked like she was taken off guard because she just just got yeeted <laughs> off the ship, right? So, <laughs> like, that's that's more my issue with it, not so much the – I remember when I first saw it, I was just like – because I was expecting her them to kill her off because yes. Carrie Fisher just died. Right. So, I was like, oh, okay, so that's, that's how she dies. Mm-hmm. And then, nope. <laughs> Her eyes, the eyes, they go suddenly opened, and then she just starts, she just starts gravitating toward the ship. So it's a little goofy, but I, I get it, I get it. They didn't want to kill her off that way, and you yeah, know, they they made it, they made it right. So, and then the hold and maneuver, like you said, wasn't anything crazy, but it was cool that they made that like a like a thing. Um, I felt like the uh, she definitely redeemed her character in in that movie by doing that um and it was a very honorable thing but you know not not anything crazy there um the ray kylo snoke situation i think is definitely the meat on this plate of this scene and and um you know we we see kylo's first real turn um 
toward the light in this, but not a full turn, obviously, because he still wants to, he kind of wants to go rogue and drop everything, and he wants Ray to join him and this and that, and, and he starts to, you know, get in that mode. But we start to see a little good in him, and Ray sees that too, and then that kind of, you know, segues into their relationship into episode nine. Um, but this battle of Mustafar, man, there's so much happening here, and um, I think. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously only judging the movies here, but we obviously have the context of the fillers that come with it. Um, and I know that this this is such a crazy moment in the saga that Anakin gets to live as Lord Vader in human form for a, a whole 15 minutes, it seems. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then, uh, you know, gets chopped up by his boy. But... <laughs> The, the emotion kind of going into it with Padme, as cheesy and corny as it is, you know, he's force choking her. Like, there's there's a lot there's a lot kind of happening there. And then the battle, I know I know you mentioned a little bit about the, the CGI, Kyle, and um, I want to try to stay honest with it just because, like, we can look at the CGI from the 70s oh, movies sure. and make the same arguments oh, and stuff. Sure. Oh, I think sure. it's appropriate for its time. I think that, like... I think that's one of actually I think that's one of the pros of like episode four is that you look at any sci-fi movie, especially Star Trek, mm -hmm. you, you look at any sci-fi movie during that era and you're just like, wow, Star Wars was like light years ahead of where everyone else was in terms of CGI. Sure. Um, and I think that their CGI was probably appropriate for that time. Like you said, if it was released a little later, would have been would have been better. Um, but I think the battle of Mustafar is still going to take it for me here. Um, that's just the, the whole Star Wars one through six is about Anakin, right? And yeah. to have a battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, you know, go down like this. And we finally see, I just remember as a kid being in theaters and seeing that moment where it's like, so this is how he gets put together, right? This is the Vader that we, that we, that we see, you know, behind the mask and this is this is his downfall, and um, this is this is how it goes down. And um, I think that that's that's too iconic of a duel to uh, to pass up here for for our number seven. But lots of really great things still happen in number seven. Like we said, you know, especially that that killing the the way that they killed Snoke was pretty epic. Yeah, watching that one last night. Cool. So uh, number 10, Duel on Mustafar moves on. Uh, next matchup is number three, Battle of Hoth versus number 14, Battle of Naboo. Battle of Hoth, very simple battle. Uh, very beginning of Empire Strikes Back. You're on the snow planet of Hoth. The rebels are pushed up against the wall. They're pigeonholed into this little base in the snow. Uh, and there's this big shield generator on it that is protecting all of the rebels, and they need to get off the planet before the Imperial walkers, the At-At walkers, uh, blow up the shield generator and end the rebellion. So basically, they go into final stand mode and they get down in the trenches and they're shooting at the walkers and Luke Skywalker and the other rebel pilots get inside snowspeeders and they do the harpoon and tow cable maneuver where they shoot the legs of the walker and just wrap it around and then it falls down on its face and someone shoots it and it blows up. Uh, which I don't really understand because couldn't you shoot it from the sky <laughs> and it also blow up? It like the way it blows up is a little bit confusing to me because it didn't look like they did anything different. Uh, I don't know, not my place to judge it. I guess. <laughs> um, 
Battle of Naboo is so complicated. Yeah. You've got um, the, the the droid army has occupied Naboo and um, Queen Amidala was forced to uh, sign a treaty to legalize the invasion or go to the Senate and give Chancellor Valorum a vote of no confidence um, so that uh, Senator Palpatine could be elected um, to the Senate um, so that they could uh, either negotiate with the trade federation or not. Um, but the bureaucrats were there and they um, thought that it was um, an illegitimate claim from Queen Amidala that there was an invasion. So they had to go back like so confusing. Totally. So confusing. At the end of the day, though, it's the Gungans versus the droids on the outskirts of the city. Uh, Padme and Captain Panaka, who is one of the best prequels characters, the captain of security for uh, Padme's team. <laughs> Uh, kind of like trying to take back the throne room and get uh, the Viceroy out of there. Dude, Padme keeps two pieces in the, in the arms of her little throne chair <laughs> and her palace. And, and like that, that was, it was huge to like this whole battle to, to um, like, I think the Droidicas showed up with the Viceroy and they were just like, okay, you got us, you got us. Boom. Pieces. Ours now. Yep. Um, so shout out to Padme for that. You've also got uh, Anakin accidentally flying his spaceship into space and accidentally blowing up the Trade Federation droid control ship. And then, of course, perhaps the most memorable aspect of the Battle of Naboo, the two double-edged lightsaber of Darth Maul. Yep. Versus Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, gosh, the score. The score in this one. <laughs> uh, whatever whatever you say about the prequels, whatever, but the score and John Williams' work throughout all of the Star Wars movie is never not amazing. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the choral suite in that battle, insane. Um, I, I, like, I don't know where to begin. With Battle of Naboo. I mean, I mean, I guess we'll talk about Darth Maul. The double-edged lightsaber, another instance of like, is this a practical weapon or not? I don't know. Yeah. I... Also, you're fighting two, you're fighting two Jedi at once with it. There are so many moments <laughs> where like there's there's clearly an opening for Obi-Wan to like stab Darth Maul in the back while he's in the middle of like a spinny move. Yeah. But he just kind of like he just kind of like deeks him a little bit instead. It's very strange. <laughs> Dude, the the best part of this duel is the Obi Wan head fake, the pump fake. It's in the, where he like no, you're talking about where he like lunges at. Okay, okay. So hang on, guys. I actually was watching this again last night, and that was the first time I ever noticed that. That was the first time I ever noticed that. Y'all gotta edit this and put that scene in there so yeah. we can so everybody knows what we're talking about. I I kind of saw it and I went. I, pa- I, I paused for a second. I was like, huh? What? Wait a minute. Did he just... Did... <laughs> Got him. That's two for flinching, Darth Maul. <laughs> and then I think Maul, like, even even kind of... Like, <laughs> he starts to fall back. You know, oh, oh. <laughs> Ooh, get him. Ooh, get him. Get him. Ooh. Um... So, anyways, uh, crazy battle, lots of spinning. This is the moment where, like, the cor- the fight choreography like became a thing in the Star Wars universe. Yes. Like up until then, they were just like geeks being like, I don't know, hit swords with each other. We'll edit it to make it look okay. And 
you could tell they definitely leaned into the fight choreo with this. And and I think this battle is the sweet spot where it looks cool, but it's not like nauseating and super unrealistic. Like, yeah, there's like the little pump fake moments, but <laughs> like uh, when, when after Qui-Gon gets um, killed, when Obi-Wan's like, no! And then he like runs in and then he does like his initial kind of like, that's one of my favorite moments right there. Yeah. Uh, Ewan McGregor shout out for learning that choreo because it looks great um, up against Ray Park who is like a legit martial artist yep love Darth Maul's dirty like dirty move to kill Qui-Gon like I was talking about nor- like when you're in close range with a Jedi you should be you should be punching you should be kicking in the groin like you know you shouldn't just be have lightsabers up against each other and be staring into each other's eyes and Darth Maul does that he knocks him he knocks Qui-Gon with the lightsaber when he kind of comes with the up move and then like combos, he's a little combo into the stab in the chest. I uh, love that dirty play. Um, and then, yeah, Obi-Wan has the low ground and flies over Darth Maul's head and Darth Maul was not ready for it. I mean, maybe that's where Obi-Wan learned that move. It's like if someone, so they're, they're always going to go over the head. Got to be ready for that. Darth Maul as a like villain is sort of I, I I'm a hypocrite because a lot of times like you don't need a backstory for like every single character ever like we don't need to know how Maleficent met her raven like they just met one day it doesn't matter at all yep um Darth Maul but for something like Star Wars where it's like there's so much of it for Darth Maul to just be like some guy <laughs> at this point it and like you know I know there's going to be a Darth Maul movie or a Darth Maul series or something. And, and there it's explained more in some star Wars comics or something. But, um, if you're just watching the movies, Darth Maul is just some guy. Yeah. They, they didn't, and they do the same with Grievous. They do the same with Dooku. I feel like a lot of the Sith, they're not giving much, um, backstory on in the actual like movies. Um, they do an entire arc on Darth Maul in uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, um, the, the TV series. Uh, so he came from a planet um, where there were, and, and I'm, I'm blanking on the names, but basically it's a planet where uh, his his kind were, were there. And then they have like this kind of like uh, matriarchy, like witch um, system where... Palpatine went there and stole uh, or took uh, Darth Maul from that planet um, and then started training him in the the Sith ways uh, growing up. And then he eventually became uh, his apprentice. And then in the Clone Wars, uh, Maul comes back, goes goes back out there and finds his brother, um, takes him and makes him his apprentice. And that's uh, Savage Oppress. So... Um, they they do have a little arc series there, um, you know, for Maul's backstory, and then um, yeah, I do expect we're gonna see Maul again in the Kenobi series um, a bit, so that should be cool. And he he made his uh, his appearances in Rebels, and then even at the end of Solo, which I thought was interesting that they just kind of threw him in as a cameo but didn't really do much explanation in terms of what's happening in that time. So did did his body get sewed back together? Like I don't. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, ah, 
I think the Battle of Naboo is not as bad as I think my teenage self would have told my current self that it is. Um, but I think I have to go with the Battle of Hoth for the nostalgia factor. Um, Battle of Hoth was uh, my favorite, like my favorite Star Wars thing as a kid watching the original three. Uh, I loved the snow when I was a little kid. I loved skiing and in the snow battle I thought was so cool. Um, you've also got kind of the personal element of Luke in there trying to survive. There's the Han and Leia drama that's happening as the rebel base walls are crumbling down. And I just, I think the tech is also like the depiction of the at, at walkers for the first time is really cool. And the, the snow stormtrooper uh, like regalia is really cool as well. Just super memorable for me and a great way to open a really good star Wars movie. Yep. I'm going to agree with you. Um, definitely a battle of Hoth. I appreciate and really enjoy the Jedi battle for um, the, the battle of Naboo. But uh, the ground fight looks like they're fighting on a Windows XP desktop background. Baby Anakin is annoying as hell. And if you're not with the Jedi scenes, I'm pretty checked out. Battle of Hoth is pretty epic. You get some great banter between Chewie and Han. It's just it just feels so Star Wars. I like it a lot. Um, Andre, do you agree with our decision here? This one was actually going to be a pretty close one for me personally. Um, and the more I'm listening and, and kind of looking into my notes, I probably would have leaned Naboo here. Um, yeah. It was the first time a Sith Lord had been defeated in a thousand years. Uh, so that's that's an important note. Hmm. Um, all those things you guys said about the Hoth, uh, I, I definitely agree. And I think that there's a lot of iconic moments there that's happening, especially with the harpoon, um, with the AT-ATs. Um, I just, I felt like with the Hoth one, for it being a three seed, I just felt like I wasn't overwhelmed um, hmm. in the same way that some of the other seeds up there did for me. Um, so I, I just felt that in comparison to, and I felt kind of the opposite for for the the Battle of Naboo scene. I think that I felt that that one might have been a little bit too low. I thought that the Hoth one might have been a little bit too high. So it was it was going to be a pretty close coin toss for me, because um, like you said, there's there's some really great scenes in both of them, and kind of the first like real choreographed uh, fighting scene uh, in for the Jedi in that first episode was pretty cool. I remember like trying to get like friends to to get into star wars that was the scene that really like sold them was that sure. episode one that that duel of the fates down there at the end with maul and uh qui-gon and obi-wan because it was like wow all right so here's a real lightsaber fight right like this yeah. is this is awesome because you start them with four five six and they're just kind of like you know any any new person now that starts watching Star Wars, if they watch four, five, and six first, they're it's they're old movies. It's just yeah. hard to hard to engage in when you're uh, so so much more used to higher tech and stuff like that. So, but you know, I respect the decision, and um, you know, we, we still got a second round, so we'll see we'll see <laughs> with with what happens with Hoth moving forward. All right, let's end this first round with the number six battle of crate versus the number 11 rescue of princess leia chris it's the battle of crate here for me uh, the rescue of princess leia is a bunch of fools stuck in a trash compactor and not much of a battle battle of crate is a battle 
Yeah, you get a little bit of everything. I'm going number six. I would normally agree with you, um, but I hate the Battle of Crete. I hate it God, so I, much. I love it. Uh, primarily, okay, the aesthetics are cool yep. with the little, they steal like some farm salt farm things and the red stuff coming out. Okay, that's cool. Yep. But I hate that Finn didn't die. Sure. This I was this whole movie I was like they're not doing anything that's blowing me away. They they teased me they they were gonna kill Leia and I was like all right, great need some more dead people, and uh, and they didn't they brought her back. I was like okay, do something that I want please, and they were like Finn was gonna sacrifice himself, which was like so such a big deal because that's Finn's whole thing. It's like he never considered himself part of this empire thing and was having an issue. Uh, with being a part of it and he found his family in the resistance and he was gonna do what he had to do to save them and I was like it's perfect it's a perfect way for Finn to go out nope got saved by um, Rose Leslie not Rose Leslie what's her name Rose Tico Uh, Rose Leslie's from Game of Thrones I always be thinking about Game of Thrones (laughs) when I'm trying to do this podcast and and force uh, force ghost Luke I like I'm not here for it Sorry, I would have rather had the real Luke show up and do that somehow. It was just like, there's a lot of teasing going, going on in, in The Last Jedi. A lot of it's like, oh, oh I'm, about to, I'm about to fake you out right now. Like, <laughs> head fake? Yeah, it's, it's one yeah, big Obi-Wan it's, head fake. It's, it's like Ryan Johnson the whole time. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, we're going to kill it. Just kidding. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, Snoke, 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 somebody. Just kidding, Snoke's dead, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you about you about to find out who Ray is? You about to find out? Nope, just kidding. She's nobody. <laughs> uh, it's just like a, it's just like a big, tr- right? Like, oh, gotta be Luke, quicker than that. Luke, gotta be quicker. Oh, Luke's, Luke's here. Luke's here. Just kidding. He's sitting on a rock somewhere else. Oh, oh, Luke just got his lightsaber back. What's he gonna do with it? What's he gonna do? He's gonna throw it in the ocean. <laughs> like, there's just so many trolls. There's just so much trolling happening in this movie, and it's just so frustrating by the end of it. Um, when the battle of crates rolling, I'm just like, please get me out of this movie theater. Please let me exit, uh, Disney plus I'm done with it. Rescue princess Leia. I get it. Not a battle, but, um, just so important for me, um, to establish all of the characters that we know in the original star Wars movie. Leia is a fighter, super scrappy, super strong. Uh, Luke is very naive, doesn't really know what he's doing, but has kind of a foolish courage, courageousness about him. Han very in it for himself. Um, and Chewie, just um, kind of a fun guy to be around, I guess. C-3PO, <laughs> Scaredy Cat, R2-D2, kind of spunky. Like, all of those characters are established in this Rescue of Princess Leia mission, and I love it. So I'm advancing number 11. So, Andre, you're breaking our final tie here. All right. Well, um, I felt the exact same way as you, Chris, when I uh, first saw it in theaters. It honestly took me until, like, my third third time watching the movie that I finally started to have an appreciation at least for that last scene the battle of crate that we're referring to here um but let me start let me start with the uh the rescue of princess leia um <laughs> if it wasn't for the cheesy way that they killed off kenobi like i i get i get that you know you know keep the context of the time yep uh i i get that he sacrificed himself to let them escape. There's there's value in that. 
I just think they could have done a much better job. Even two-handed sword fighting. It felt like they just threw them in a hallway and said, <laughs> let's take, let's let's do this three times. We're going to take the best one. You guys just improvise. Just try yeah. your best. Just try yeah. your best. That's what it looked like. And um, I, I get that the dude's old uh, <laughs> that was playing him. Like, I, I, get, I get it. It's just, I just, there was a lot of really great, sci-fi in that movie and i just expected there to be a little more there especially given that that ended up being such a pivotal moment in the star wars saga um so with battle of scarif um yeah i don't know how far this one's going to last uh through the bracket but i do think that this one's going to take this match um i think that what we have here is uh, or i'm sorry not battle of scarif battle of crate um, so what I do think that we have with this one here is that it's a uh, it really demonstrates Luke's power um, as a Jedi, and you know I get that you know a lot of people weren't a fan of how that they showed it, but that was a force ability that we had never seen um, in any sort of canon, and um, it was far advanced, and it really showed that Luke's abilities as a Jedi have evolved far more than we ever could have imagined, right? Because the last that we really see Luke in action is episode six. And he's a really powerful Jedi. I mean, he he's, he's very powerful, right? Um, he's got lots of great force abilities, uh, combat, everything. He, he's a fully trained Jedi Knight. Um, but this is full on beyond Jedi Master status. This is beyond anything that we've ever seen. For him to be able to telepathically use his force abilities and make himself appear somewhere else to the point where you're holding off an entire fleet and allowing the resistance uh, to, to escape. And so, um, you know, I, I did grow an appreciation for it. Um, I had all of the same issues as you, Chris, in terms of all the other things that were going on in that movie. Uh, it, And we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the director kind of, having a script already before seven was even written and we could see that because it's just it just felt weird the whole like casino scene um <laughs> it's just and like it just doesn't make sense like it's just like why we could have could have done something else with that you know what i mean so yeah I, I get all that i think the if it wasn't for luke and that little force ability thing he was doing down the end um you know this one would would lose this one but that that's going to do it for the tiebreaker for me. All right. Well, folks, we've done it at last. We've reached the end of our round of 16. We're down to our Elite Eight, which we will pick up next week. We've got number one, Battle of Yavin versus number nine, Battle of Scarif. Battle of four, number four, Battle of Geonosis versus number five, Battle of Starkiller Base. Number two, Battle of Endor versus number 10, Duel on Mustafar. Number three, Battle of Hoth versus number six, Battle of Crate. Andre, thank you so much for talking to us this week about these Star Wars battles um, and offering your Star Wars expertise. It was great. Yeah, man. Uh, this is super fun. And, um, you know, there's we, we could talk Star Wars all day. There's so much to do. And the fact that you guys were able to still, you know, get this list of just movies um, and we still had so many left out, that just shows how expansive the Star Wars universe is. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was, it was a blast. I'm glad, glad to be a part of it. Thank you guys for having me. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. Do you have anything to say about these Star Wars battles or 
any other Disney things we would love to hear from you email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter Instagram Facebook or Discord all of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast we'd love to hear from you till next time folks may the force be with you Yeah. <laughs>